Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the book of Exodus. And today we come to kind of a, uh, a crisis point in the life of the early life of Israel. So we're in Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 6, where we read this. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. And the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's uh, amazing how quickly things can uh, turn around. Uh, turn around. Um, uh, and it all starts with this kind of moment of anxiety. Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. I, we're not sure how long this is into that time, but apparently it's uh, uh, pretty close to the end. And out of this anxiety, well, actually the anxiety comes out of waiting. And I think that that is really a powerful and, and, and common cause of anxiety, isn't that? Like when we have to wait for something, uh, I think, I know for me, I can be a very impatient pers person. And the longer I wait, the higher the anxiety becomes. And I think part of that is because the longer I wait, um, the more I realize how little control I have. The Israelites reach this kind of fever pitch of anxiety and they want Aaron to do something about it. And so he comes up with this idea. He says, give me all the gold from your earrings and we're going to melt it down, make this uh, God. And he makes a golden calf. And some people wonder, like, why would he make a calf? And, and the, the best explanation I've heard of this is that he's creating an image for them that speaks of safety and provision. And if you think about like, you know, they were in Egypt and they worship these various gods that were modeled after various animals and things from nature. And the amazing thing about the, the cow is that it provided all the basic needs that an animal could provide. Um, those were clothing, uh, production, uh, food, transportation, and fuel. Um, clothing would be the skins. The production was the fact that a cow could pull a cart or a plow um, for food. It provided not only its meat, but provided milk for transportation. You, you, uh, well, you wouldn't generally ride a cow, but they could pull a cart for transportation. And fuel in a desert climate, a desert environment where there are few trees, dried dung was the most common fuel for fires. So when you come to all these basic needs of life, the cow would provide them all. You know, sheep and goats can't pull plows. They can't provide transportation. Horses don't provide milk and they also don't survive well in the desert. And, and camels are pretty stubborn and they will refuse to pull a cart or a plow. So it's, it's, the, it's the cow amongst all the animals that can provide for everything. So in many ways, this is a um, from a natural mindset, this is a fitting image of provision and safety, uh, one that they are familiar with. But of course, it's very different than the than the God who actually brought them out of Egypt. Um, but the one of the interesting um, 
turnarounds in this is that Aaron really seems to get into this. In verse five, he sees, we don't know if he was initially resistant at all, but in verse five, he sees how happy the people are. And he really starts to feed on this. He really gets into this and feeds on their excitement. And so he's um, going to build an altar in front of the calf and going to start this festival and, and, and this worship and, and all of this. And I think there's a real warning in here for us, especially pastors and leaders, but really anyone that we need to be careful about feeding off of the approval of others. I think especially in an age of social social media, this can be such a temptation, such an addiction, and it's a powerful moment of, um, of weakness for Aaron in this case. And then in verse six, we see that there's this feasting and there's this pagan revelry. I've seen several commentators uh, comment that uh, the pagan revelry seems to imply um, promiscuity. And so basically they just go fully back, even though they've left Egypt, Egypt hasn't left them and they go fully back into their old ways. Um, and the worship immediately leads to uh, actions, right? Though we talked about this before, how ideas have consequences and the ideas that come with uh, these pagan gods, these animal gods, uh, there are practices that go along with it and they immediately begin to engage in those as well. And so they've They've gone back to Egypt, even though they're looking to go forward. Um, and so they've really, this is really kind of a, a, a terrible but wonderful picture of the ways that we can so easily be pulled into the ways of the world while thinking that we're, we're truly following God when it's the furthest thing from the case. Dave, I'm wondering what you see in this passage. Well, I think you've brought up so many of the really good points and just a couple small things uh, before I kind of dive into some of the things that you already said. Um, a couple things I'd add. One is... So we saw in verse two, take the gold rings from your ear, from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. Well, where did they get this gold? Well, of course, this is the gold. You guys remember is, is they were still in Egypt. Uh, God told them to go and ask, you know, these people that they'd worked for, you know, that uh, for all these things. And so it was a way, and you pointed this out when we did this devotion back, you know, a few weeks ago. It was a way that God, in a sense, restored their fortunes given what was had been taken. It's almost like reparations, right? You know, for these years of slavery. Uh, suddenly they walk away with this, you know, great wealth. And it's it, that was God's blessing to them. And yet now that blessing is being misused and it's going to become a curse. Uh, and they, in fact, are going to worship the blessing rather than the God who blessed them with it. Uh, using it to worship God. And and I think that's the, the kind of the danger that we all can relate to. Uh, and I think especially in this era and in this part of the country where people tend to be relatively, compared to the rest of the country and surely the rest of the world, tend to be relatively affluent, it is so easy to take these gifts that God has given us and actually instead of using them to worship God the way that we're, they're designed to be used, we end up using, we end up, you know, worshiping them right and and we end up with this idolatry of the very gifts that god has gave god gave us whether it's uh, money or status or privileges or power or whatever it is that we end up worshiping those things thinking that those things are the source of life those are the things that should lead us those are the things that will end up making our decisions for us and you know it's not for nothing it's a funny thing right it's a it's a statue statues of course a statue made of gold does not move very quickly. It would be extraordinarily heavy. Uh, and, and yet it says, these, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt, right? And they they had asked for, um, 
they, they said, come on, in verse 1, make us some gods who can lead us. You know exactly how far a golden calf can lead you? Nowhere. That's the answer. And, and I think, actually, that's probably the answer, too, for a lot of the false idols that we have, that we, we look to them for leadership, but they're just going to lead us nowhere in, in the sense that, great, I'm going to get more and more and more money. I'm going to get more and more and more power. I'm going to get more and more and more status. And I'm actually going to accomplish nothing. I'm going to get no closer to the promised land, no closer to this reconciled relationship with God, no closer to this shalom that I'm really longing for. I may get more and more of the stuff and get no more of the shalom. Uh, so I, I see that really being a, a kind of an important part of this whole thing. Um, but yeah, I, you know, and I think probably because I'm a pastor uh, and I'm also a parent, uh, I, I really relate to what you were saying about the danger of being led by the people you're supposed to lead. And I think it is very difficult. It's all right. Everyone will say, oh, lonely at the top, right? Leadership is difficult. Uh, and that's, I surely experienced that in, in pastoral ministry. I experienced that every bit as much as a parent. I think the beauty of being a parent is that there's two of us. But for a lot of families, that's not the case, either because there's a single parent family or because the, you know, one person's just sort of abdicated the responsibility to participate in all of this. And, and I think that trying to lead, right, and, and be able to uh, differentiate and say, hey, this is what I'm, I'm going to do. And I'm you know, not going to be reactive against you, but I am going to lead. I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to compromise on these on these values, but I'm going to bring you along even when it's challenging uh, and I am challenged. I think as a parent, that is very difficult to do uh, because our kids can be so strong in their manipulations in a different way. Uh, and I think that's where we're going to need, if you don't have a spouse, and even if you do, we're going to need more help. We're going to need the community. We're going to need the Holy Spirit. We're going to need the scriptures to really keep us grounded because you, know, you can't lead by looking behind you, right, at the people you're trying to lead. You have to lead by looking at where you're supposed to be going and trying to figure out how do I help these people get there. And I think Aaron, right, he was the leader in a positional sense, but he was the follower in, in reality. And I see a lot of parents these days who are followers in reality, right? They are not leading their kids uh, because they can't handle their kids' criticism, rejection, anger. Uh, and I definitely feel that as a pastor, right? I confess many times that one of my besetting sins is that I tend to people please. And the more tired that I am, uh, the more just worn down that I am, the more just sort of spiritually fragile I am, the more I'm likely to give in to that. And, and I, I need to be mindful that I, I cannot follow the crowd. I have to follow Jesus and invite the crowd to follow me. And they may or they may not, just like sometimes they did and sometimes they didn't follow Jesus. But I cannot follow the crowd even though the pressure can be so great. So I'm not pretending that I think that, you know, Aaron, you know, this would have been easy and he should, he just blew it because it was, uh, he, you know, he blew a simple one. No, this is hard. This is really hard. Uh, but that's what I think leaders are called to do. I think it's what many of us who are, are leading in, in our workplaces or in classrooms, it's what we're called to do. We are not called to be popular. We're called to be faithful. And, and I think that is going to be difficult. And the entire nation suffered 
because the leader wasn't willing to suffer. He wasn't willing to suffer their criticism. And so the whole nation suffered instead. And I see families that suffer because the parents are not willing to suffer. And I see a, a culture that's suffering because our leaders are not willing to suffer our disapproval and criticism to do the right thing. Yeah, that's that's really rough. And it's a, a, a tough call. And I think there's a, a lot of fear in, in this whole passage. Uh, but one of the things I think about is how they feared God. Like above all things, maybe they feared God. Like earlier, God was speaking directly to them. They said, please, like we can't handle this. We'll die. Moses, be our intermediary. We don't want to talk to God directly. And so Moses is being their, their mediator. And now they feel the absence of God. And so they fill it with this void, fill the void with this God that they can create and they can control. Uh, this is a God that they can fashion. They feel safe with it because it's under their control. And I think the connection for us today is so obvious. The way money can be such a wonderful substitute God, because we don't, if we have money, we don't have to be afraid of it, or maybe we should be, but we don't feel afraid of it because it's ostensibly under our own control. And whereas God is someone who cannot be controlled. And so we we're afraid of God, even though in, in, in the larger view of things, we shouldn't be afraid of God. It's really the money we should be afraid of because it can lead us away from God. Well, amen to that. Well, can I close this in prayer for today? That'd be wonderful. Let's pray together. Lord, we do long for control, even though it so often hurts us. We long for approval from people, even though oftentimes that's actually not even a gift to the people we're trying to, to ameliorate. God, I pray that you would fill us, that, that you would forgive us, or that you would lead us and then allow us in our various spheres to lead others well. God, I pray in particular for the people here who are parents. God, I pray that, that you would give them a clarity about their calling, a clarity about who you are and what it means to lead and what it means to love well. And I pray for parents who can love their children enough not to be liked by them all the time. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Dave, and thanks, everyone, for joining us. I hope you can follow up with us tomorrow as we're going to see how God and Moses react to the news of what's happening in the Israelite camp. Go in peace.